Hello, Selengay. Hello, how are you? Fine, thank you. Can you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you. And you? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Your audio is great. Thank you. Okay, great. How are you today? Should we get... I'm very fine. I'm very fine. I was just, you know, um, you know, excited and uh, longing for this talk with you. Oh, how about so you? Nice. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. How is London? Um, it's okay. It's a bit cold and rainy. Uh, we're still in lockdown, yeah. so we're not really doing anything at the moment. <laughs> uh, working remotely, right? Yeah. How is Kenya? I uh, wish I was there. Yeah, Kenya is fantastic. The weather is perfect. Oh. The regulations are not that much. We are not on lockdown since... Uh, we haven't been on lockdown since October. Okay. Yeah, but there's still some more cases and the, the government is, um, you know, monitoring uh, the, 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 the pandemic as, as, as uh, day in, day out. Yeah, well, that's, that's good to know. And um, yeah. whereabouts are you right now in Nairobi? Sorry? Are you in Nairobi? Yes, I'm in Nairobi at the moment. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's get started. Okay, so, so let's go. All right. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Travel Local Podcast, and I'm your host, uh, Diblex Lesalon. In this episode, in this fifth episode of um, our new series, Hashtag Women in Travel, we are very fortunate to have um, a great guest with us, uh, Selenge from Elephant Voices, uh, a company or rather an organization she helps run together with her family in Amboseli. Karibu sana, Selenge, to the show. Santa sana. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, maybe you could just start by telling us about yourself and about what the, your organization does in Amboseli. Yeah. So my name is Selenge and I was born and raised in Kenya. Um, my name means uh, a maiden or young woman in the Maasai <laughs> or in Ma. So um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know that. <laughs> I know that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, okay. the Selenge region is just outside of Amboseli, so where my mom and dad study elephants. So they yeah. named me after the river um, in, in Selenge. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. And uh, when was this? Where, when, when were you born? I was born in 1993. Okay. And you grew up entirely um, in Amboseli, the Amboseli ecosystem. Um, yes, so part-time. So when I wasn't in school, then I was in Amboseli. And um, then when I was in school, I was in Nairobi. And we have a house just outside on the Ngong Hills, outside of Nairobi. Yeah. Yeah, just past Kisarian. Fantastic. And uh, how was it like growing around the Amboseli, you know, uh, watching elephants at a very tender age? <laughs> So my mom, uh, Joyce Poole, she's a, re a world-renowned elephant researcher who studies the communication and behavior of African elephants. And she has done for over 45 years. And because of this, I spent a lot of my childhood living in Amboseli Elephant Research Camp in the middle of Amboseli National Park. There are no fences around the camp. So elephants and other wild animals are always wandering through the park. Um, and I remember I always used to sit and do my homework watching the the animals, probably learning more from from them than I actually did from my schoolwork. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, sounds fun. Yeah, it was great. And in the afternoons, when my parents um, had finished their work for the day, I was permitted to go out on game drives with them and spend time with elephants. And I would listen 
as my mom would explain to me what the different sounds and movements meant and what the elephants were saying to each other. So the whole experience really influenced the person that I am today. Um, and it also gave me like a unique winter window into the lives of elephants, which is something that I'm very grateful for. So overall, it was it was amazing. It was probably the best time of my life so far. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, maybe just to, you know, um, uh, juggle your memory a bit. Um, what what do you remember? What is the fondest memory of, uh, you know, um, the, watching the elephants, you know, as you said, while you are working, schoolwork with your parents on game drives. What is this one memory that cannot get away out of your mind? Oh, uh, that's a tricky question. There are so many. <laughs> um, I, I remember I was really, really young and um, I was eating a banana <laughs> in, yeah. in the car and um, I'd finished the banana and I think I dropped like a little bit of the, the brown part out the window and there was an elephant that was maybe like a hundred meters away and she came straight towards the car from 100 meters and picked up the banana the tiny what? tiny piece of banana so she must have smelled it from like so far away and mm. and come to get this tiny piece of banana and i remember thinking wow that's amazing so it just like proves that they have amazing sense of smell um wow. but I, re wow. I really remember that i don't know why it's kind of a random memory but it was it made an impact on me that's so cool that's yeah. so cool um, um what do you love most about elephants uh, there are so many, so many things. Um, I guess mm -hmm. my favorite thing is the way elephants make me feel. Yeah. Um, like Africa, elephants take hold of your spirit and they make you look at the world from a different perspective, I think. So when I'm in the company of elephants, I feel very calm and they leave me with a sense of wonder. When they walk past, I can't help but question how something so big and powerful can be so gentle at the same time. Um, and I also love elephants' eyes. So it's not often that you get to look into the eyes of an elephant because they're usually hidden behind these long eyelashes. Mm -hmm. But if you're lucky to get very close, um, they have a beautiful amber-colored eyes and it's like nothing else in the world. So oh. my, actually, my first name is Amber and my mom names me Amber because of the color oh. of the elephant's eyes. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really, uh, I'm sure you heard about the report this year that uh, Amboseli is reporting a record number of, uh, you know, elephant cows being born. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. Uh, could you tell us more about that, please? Yeah, so um, I actually spoke to Nora, who... Um, who works for Amboseli Trust, and she told me that they've had 208 new babies this year, 2020, yeah. and two sets of twins, which is, is very rare for elephants, but this year they've had two sets, and they've only recorded four uh, in the whole time the project has been in Amboseli, wow. so it's amazing. Wow. wow. So it's really blessings. been a big blessings baby blessings and blessings. Yeah. Big blessings. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. And uh, can you say, uh, in your years of, you know, working closely with your mom and the other, you know, uh, the, the other guys who run Amboseli, can you say that the elephant species uh, existent, existence is uh, threatened? Yeah, so elephants are endangered in Africa. Um, between 2008 and 2015, the elephants, um, the killing of elephants for their tusks kind of spiraled out of control and it accounted for as many as 30 to 40,000 elephant mortalities each year in those in those years. 
Um, and to make matters even worse, this figure does not include the thousands of calves who died as a result of their mother's deaths. And over recent years, ivory poaching has gone down a little bit. However, the yeah. destruction of habitat and the killing of elephants due to conflict over natural resources um, continues. Yeah. So, um, and there are also those elephants who are killed for, for sport, for trophy hunting, and those who are killed in the name of management. So culling, which happens a lot in, in southern Africa. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the commercial capture and export of wild calves for human entertainment in zoos and circuses. Um, a lot mm. of those calves die on the, on the journey to wherever it is that they're going. Yeah. And then, so more often than not, poachers um, and, and ivory hunters target older animals with heavier tusks. So the big males or the, or the, or the matriarchs who have larger tusks. And this leaves um, traumatized individuals and fragmented families behind. And it destroys the very fabric of elephant society. So um, longevity is critical in elephant society. Or females prefer older males to father their offspring. And the younger males um, follow and watch and learn from these older males and learn lifelong skills like sparring and how to fight and, and um, what to do around estrous females. So it's important for elephant society that these larger males are around. Okay. And actually... Sorry, tusks um, continue to grow throughout the lives of, of males, um, uh, sorry, of, of male elephants. And actually, they weigh seven times more than females of the same age. So the, larger, so the largest tusks ever were collected from the slopes of Kilimanjaro. And these genes persist in the population. So you can see them in, in the big elephants like Tim, who died this year. Mm -hmm. and, and Craig, who is still alive. So Amboseli bulls are known for these big long asymmetrical tusks oh. and um older breeding males with enormous tusks are rare we know that because there's only a few left in the whole world and actually elephants live to the age of 70 but but the average age for males is only 25 so um drought human elephant conflict ivory poaching and trophy hunting have all taken their toll and my mother's long-term study has shown that males only start to reproduce um with consistent success by the age of 40 but by mm -hmm. that time, three quarters of them have already died. So yeah. <laughs> it's quite like, it's very bad that mm. they, they don't get to live to their prime, you know, these big, these big boys. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned that poaching has really gone down over the past maybe one to two years. Uh, do you yeah. think t technology has aided, you know, elephant conservation around Amboseli and Kenya? Um, yes, 100%. This is a really good question because... Uh, there's quite a few different answers that I can give. Um, for example, elephant collaring is something that a lot of conservation organizations are doing. And it's a great way to monitor certain elephants and collect data on their movements patterns. Yeah. Um, citizen science is also a very valuable aid in elephant conservation. And it gives local people the opportunity to get involved and collect data on elephants and their whereabouts which then gets uploaded to a smartphone app for researchers to use. Um, this then gives scientists and NGOs a window into the movements of elephants and their whereabouts and where they're sighted in relation to human settlement, which then um, is very important to avoid human elephant conflict, which is a big threat at the moment. And then, of course, many um, organizations employ scouts and rangers that use GPS technology to show where elephants have been killed and where poaching poachers have been caught. And then this information can be used to map out where poachers' hotspots are and where they could be hiding. 
all this information can then build a picture of where illegal activities happen to improve the effectiveness of anti-poaching units. Hmm. So it's basically a database. Yeah. Which has, uh, you know, information about the elephants, whereabouts, where they are, where they are breeding, you know, something like that. Yeah, this so where, where they've been sighted and then the collars can show their, their exact whereabouts. Uh, and- not, not all elephants wear collars, though. There's only a few... Mm, okay, and it's very and it's very easy to interpret uh, their movements and behaviors when uh, when monitoring through these systems, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, definitely m- their movement. Oh, well, okay, great. Uh, you've mentioned uh, trophy hunting, legal and illegal wild, wildlife trade, habitat destruction, and um, I just want you to maybe tell us, you know, what are some of the biggest threats you know facing elephant conservation in Kenya? Um, this is a really good question. And I think at the moment, the biggest threat at the moment is this virus, Mm COVID-19. And because of COVID-19, there are not as many tourists visiting Kenya, which means that the revenue used to protect wildlife and run the parks and conservancies is drastically affected. Um, I think there's also, a yeah, so as... As people's desperation grows, there's also a risk that some might turn to bushmeat to survive. And I also fear that because many people are now out of a job, some might engage in poaching for an income. Um, There's also people aren't donating as much money to NGOs um, Mm -hmm. and therefore they might struggle to pay people's wages. For example, rangers who then won't be on patrol as much as before. But with all that being said, conservation organizations and, of course, Kenya Wildlife Service are still doing everything that they can to protect Kenya's wildlife. So it is a good time to support them if you can. Very good. Um, And do you think local communities who live around these protected areas play an important role in conservation? Um, Yeah. So the benefits of of conservation to local communities yeah. So um, there's employment from ecotourism and conservation operations, educational opportunities, sustainable land management and protection of local, local wildlife and natural resources are all some of the benefits of conservation to local communities. Um, for me, community conservation is the future, partnering with local communities to create effective, sustainable solutions that improve the lives of local people at the same time while protecting the natural world is the way forward. Um, ecotourism, for example, helps in community development by providing an alternative source of livelihood to people um, normally dependent on, for example, farming or herding. Um, many view ecotourism as a viable way to both protect the natural environment and create social and economical benefits for local communities. Mm. Um, there's also areas set aside as conservancies typically regulate livestock grazing to sustainable levels and thereby improve grazing and quality of livestock, as well as protecting water sources for the dry season. And then in these conservancies, tourists, tourists, when they come to visit, they pay a conservancy fee in order to stay at the camps or lodges, which is used by the conservancy to protect wildlife and habitats, as well as support community projects. And then conservation NGOs in the Amboseli ecosystem are very engaged with the support of local communities, For instance, the Amboseli Trust for Elephants has for decades offered schools, bursaries and university scholarships for members of the local community. Mm -hmm. And then um, conservation NGOs like Lion Guardians or Big Life offer employment. So I spoke to Big Life and they have employed nearly 
500 people from the local Maasai community in which it operates, making it the largest simple employer um, in the Amboseli Sabo ecosystem. So they have said that their success in this ecosystem is largely due to the community goodwill Mm. created by the revenue streams that Big Life program offers, um, of which employment is the most prized. Mm. So that's amazing. And I also just want to mention um, an organization called Conservation Kenya, Mm which was founded by Winnie Kiru, who um, they promote public participation in conservation throughout education and awareness programs, citizen science and um, enterprise. They have a number of education and awareness programs that are geared towards fostering the development of an environmentally enlightened public who understand and embrace the values of Kenya's rich rich wildlife heritage and natural assets. So um, you can find them at conservationkenya.org and they're a very um, very good organization to support all right i'll be sharing uh, that link um when when we are done with the episode right and um, yeah, cool. the benefits seem massive 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 and all thanks to you and your organization and the other organizations that you've mentioned that are really doing a great job to support you know the local people the women you know the, yeah, the girls it's so important. education you know it's it really it really goes a long way yeah yeah, definitely. It's so important. All right. Switching on gears now. Um, according to you, what is the importance of an elephant or rather elephants in a wildlife ecosystem like Amboseli? Um, so I'm sure you know, but elephants are a keystone species. Mm-hmm. This means that they play a very important role in structuring both plant and animal communities. Yeah. And they contribute to biodiversity through seed dispersal and creating um, the habitats that they live in. Mm -hmm. So this basically means that elephants shape the habitats in many ways. So during the dry season, they use their tusks to dig up riverbeds and create small waterholes that animals can drink from. And then um, they don't have very good digestive systems. So they eat a lot, but most of that just comes out the other end. And therefore, when they're walking around, their dung is full of seeds, so they're helping plants spread across environments. Mm-hmm. In the forest, they eat trees and shrubs, which create pathways for smaller animals to move through. And then in the savanna, they eat, um, they uproot trees, they knock down trees and eat small saplings, which helps keep the landscape open for plains animals like zebra and wildebeest. So they're basically the engineers of the wildlife world. So they play a very important role. Wow, wow. And uh, I really saw this and I fell in love with this documentary called The Ivory Game. I'm sure you've watched it. Yeah, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Exactly, yeah. How the elephants were moving, you know, in search of water. How they mourn, even the dead. Like, it was really awesome. It was really awesome. And I will recommend our listeners to really watch it and, uh, you know, understand these animals. Yeah? Exactly. Definitely. Very good. Okay. Um, Amboseli and uh, even other parks and reserves in Kenya are facing habitat destruction uh, due to human wildlife conflict, human encroachment, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. this, has re- this has resulted to human wildlife conflict, which is also on the rise across Kenya. What do you think might be the solution to this? Um, I think... Um... Well, like you said, some of the major issues is decrease in space and habitat um, and the lack of land use planning, uh, which basically means allowing human settlement and agriculture to take place anywhere without thinking about keeping areas open for wildlife corridors. Um, So I think it's all about planning and and making sure that, that we keep the wildlife in mind. 
and to make sure there's enough space for them to be able to move between different ecosystems. Um, I just wanted to mention something that happened in Amboseli uh, not so long ago, um, which was quite shocking. Um, there, it happened in a community conservancy in the Kimana Wildlife Corridor, mm -hmm. through which elephants and other animals move between Amboseli National Park and, and the Savo landscape. So yeah. 180 acres, which is an enormous amount of land. Um, and this was natural habitat, was turned into bare ground for the sake of, of growing avocados. So, um, and this happened without local community even knowing that this was taking place. So they just woke up and, and, and this was Works. happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of farming going on around Amboseli ecosystem. But mm. if this project were to go ahead, it would have serious impact on the wildlife because yeah. it is such an important corridor for them. So yeah. luckily, the, the community, the local community objected to this plan of the avocado farm. And even the Kenyan government took a stand to protect this, this country's natural resources. But it's not quite out of the woods yet. We're not sure what's happening. And, and, and it was just extremely shocking that, that this was even allowed to go ahead. But hopefully they can they can put a stop to it. So just just. Keep your eyes and ears peeled and see what happens there because it will For have sure. very drastic effects if it were to go ahead. For sure. And all thanks to the media and our local conservationists here. I think that story was, uh, you know, aired on TV. And I'm sure you yes. know, creating such awareness is very critical in saving this, you know, this land because, as you said, it's a exactly. critical wildlife corridor, yeah? Yeah. Like the more land that disappears, the more animals will disappear as well. And I then. And then what happens? Then there's nothing yeah. left. <laughs> it's a pity because even this avocado that they're planting is for export. It's not for the local market here. <laughs> exactly. It's just so people in London can have their avocado toast. And Imagine. How is that fair? <laughs> it's not fair on anyone. <laughs> it's not. The demand especially, is too high. Especially to the wildlife, you know. And even the yeah. people because they really get to benefit when tourists come to see these species, yeah? Yeah, exactly. One of Kenya's biggest revenues is tourism. But if there's yeah. no animals left because everyone gets to eat avocados here at home, then, <laughs> then it's just silly. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very, it's very bad. It's very bad. Uh, let's, now, let's now talk about, I know this segment will be the, the most interesting, but I'm sure you will share some you know, nuggets and um, some of the critical elephant behaviors to note while on safari, maybe. You know, interesting yeah. and good behavior, yeah. So, um, I mean, just sitting and watching elephants is, is interesting. Just to notice how they do things and why they, why they are doing these things is, yeah. is interesting. Um, for me personally, my favorite thing to do is to sit quietly and watch them eat. Now, this might sound very boring for someone, but um, <laughs> it's very peaceful. And I think it's just like the whole rhythm. It's like, it's like a move, all the movement that they do and, and the sounds that they make and the way they like shake the dirt off the grass before they eat it, I just find that really fascinating. Yeah. But um, if you want some more action, I think uh, finding a family with an with an estrus female um, is always interesting. Or or with a newborn baby, then you're you're bound to see something out of the ordinary. Mm. Um. So so keep your eyes um, out for that. And then obviously must males. Um. They're always very interesting to watch because they're they're probably following a female. And yeah. if you're lucky, you might see a mating, which is um, is is quite something. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I've only ever seen 
two or three, I think. I've um, never seen that. I'd really love to see. I've only watched uh, on your YouTube, uh, on YouTube channel, <laughs> on your YouTube. <laughs> if you go to, um, if you go to Amboseli after the rains, like yeah. it, go in February, the elephants are crazy in February because they're, they're so fat and they're so happy and they <laughs> yeah. just have all this extra energy to do weird things. Yeah. And then a lot of the females <laughs> are in estrus and the males are in must. So there's mm. a lot of, a lot action. of maneno and kelele. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of action. But, um, yeah. A lot of action. And also in this time of year, they, they like to swim. So they swim mm. and they play in the water and they, it's like watching people playing like um, water volleyball. And yeah, it's just yeah. crazy. In the mud, just, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's very so that's, interesting. That's, I've seen that. that's really fun to watch. Um, mm. And then um, I know you wanted to know like how how close you can get to elephants. Exactly, the, exactly. The... Before before you say that, I'd like to tell you um, we were in uh, Olpejeta. I think it was last ten October with my friends. And yeah. We were just uh, you know passing you know like doing the game drive, and then we came this we came across this hut that was uh, just between the trees there, and uh, we just stopped the car. And we just started mm-hmm. taking pictures, laughing in the car. And all of a sudden, it's just, we just started hearing noises and the elephant was just flipping its ears. Hey, we drove quickly from there. So <laughs> maybe you can just tell us, you know, how to avoid conflict and how near can you go? How near is so near? Like how near? Yeah. Take yeah. So yeah. the first thing I should say is just always stay in your car. Don't ever get out of the car. I know some people think that this is okay. Um, but no, stay in your car at all times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, the, it very much depends on the population. Um, some populations you can get closer than others, and some they don't like it. For example, when the poaching was really bad in Sabo, you could only mm. get you couldn't get closer than five hundred meters before the elephants would just take off running. Um, but then in places like Amboseli, um, because there has been this long-term study of the elephants. They are very used to vehicles and used mm. to being around vehicles. Yeah. Therefore, you can get closer as long as you remain on the road. Mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing to note is um, it's, a, it's a privilege to be in the presence of these animals. Um, therefore, it's of the utmost important that you respect their space and remember yeah. it's their home. And if they want to get closer to you, they will come to you. So, um, And that very often happens if you just turn off your engine and, and sit elephants will come closer to the car because they're curious, you know, animals are curious, mm. curious creatures. So especially elephants. Um, and sometimes they'll, they'll come very, very, very close, especially in Amboseli. Yeah. Um, but flapping of ears. Um, I mean, it depends. Did, did they have their, did the elephant have its head raised very high? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah, what, what was it doing? Yeah. Okay. Mm. So if it's just flapping its ears, then it's probably just fanning itself. It's hot. But if it had its head, very high and its ears were spread wide then that was probably like telling you to to back off a bit <laughs> but um generally just flapping of ears doesn't is not a a, a bad signal a bad but if sign. it's just like outspread trying to make itself look bigger then yeah. then that's usually um telling you to to back off um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on the lookout next time and um, yeah sure i'd love to to go to Amboseli and see this elephant because they sound as you say they sound very friendly and yeah it's a, it's a really good feeling yeah. to just be close to them, yeah? Yeah, it's a great feeling. Next mm. time I, uh, I'm in Kenya, I can take you. No problem. I, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Um, <laughs> no worries. All right. Uh, okay. Moving on swiftly. Uh, how can young people who are passionate about wildlife conservation support your work and make a difference when borders reopen? 
Um, well, for a start, you can follow us on social media um, at Elephant Voices or at Selenge um, and share the work that we are doing. Yep. Um, I think the more people that know about elephants and and their behavior and what they're like and who they are, the better. Um, if you understand something, you will begin to care about it. And once you care about it, you'll want to protect it. So, um, and I think young people, they're the future. They're the ones who, who will have to take over in the end. Mm. So the more people we can influence around us to feel the same way, the better. Um, making a difference is so much about working together. Yeah. Um, and I'm always happy to answer questions about elephants. So just yeah. send me a message. Yeah. Um, and yeah, support other NGOs. Local, local NGOs are, are very important. People like Winnie Kiru, who are, who are Kenyan and, and who are really making a difference for young, young women, mm. um, the future conservationists. So I think it's just about finding, um, finding an organization that you believe in and, and supporting their work. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, um, you, you, you seem to be very passionate about this. We can continue and continue and continue and continue because it, <laughs> elephants seem to be, you know, they have a lot for people to learn about, yeah? And uh, Definitely. Yeah, on to my bonus question. Um, I'm sure COVID-19 has affected a lot of things this year, a lot of plants, you know, in the tourism sector, especially mm -hmm. which was the heat it had. And do you think yeah. um, COVID will affect um, tourist behavior in the future going forward? Uh, I think it's quite hard to answer that. I think, um, I hope that we will just go back to normal, mm -hmm. um, whatever, whatever normal was. Um, I mean, we didn't really behave very normally. Um, but I feel like people might, um, might be more cautious in the way they travel, might think about why they are traveling and, and hopefully travel with more of a purpose rather than, than just for, for pleasure. Um, and yeah, I, I really hope that this whole COVID has made people rethink mm. everything. But obviously, I hope that we can we can all get back on our feet for the tourist industry, and and obviously, therefore, has a direct impact on the conservation industry and and the wildlife and everything. So um, yeah, I think we'll have to see. I don't really know what to say about that question because it's it seems quite far away still. Exactly. Unfortunately, I know Kenya Kenya has kind of opened its borders, but um, it's not not back to how it was exactly and i don't know when that's going to happen so we just have to have to wait and see but i hope that we can get back on our feet again for sure i'm hoping that too uh let's let's adopt that wait and see attitude and see and hope and, yeah. hope, and hope for the best yeah fingers crossed for sure <laughs> um asante sana selenge for talking to us and making time for us it was a, 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 a huge sana. huge honor having you on the show <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yeah, Sante. Yeah, and, uh, sana. Asante sana. When are you coming back to Kenya? Ah, oh, I don't know. Don't... I really want to come. COVID. I know, I know. It's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I, I hate asking that question, but but it's fine. We, 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 we hope to see you soon here. <laughs> I hope I'll be so there that very you continue soon. continue the good work you've been doing. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, that's it, guys. We've come to the end of this podcast. What a great guest we've, we, we've had on the show. Um, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review our, our show. Bye. Koheri. Koheri. All right. <laughs>